I'm Jacob Henson with J. Proctor Farms in Lingleville, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello Texas, we are once again locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Texas cotton farmers can now enroll in the Cotton Trust Protocol. We'll have more information on the protocol and how you can enroll coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Fed cattle prices are staying high. And that means things are going well for Texas High Plains feed yards. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I will continue my discussion today with the director of Texas A&M AgriLife Research on issues such as bioenergy and controlled environmental agriculture that are important to AgriLife Research in the 2023 Farm Bill. All that ahead on Texas Ag Today. Technicians are needed to produce our nation's heavy equipment that powers modern agriculture. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The enrollment window for Texas cotton producers to become part of the Cotton Trust Protocol is now open. Tillman White is the program operations manager for the protocol. He says enrollment opened on May 1st and will run through September 1st. One reason we did that is to create a better alignment with the industry event. Historically, we've seen that the majority of the U.S. cotton is marketed in a critical period during the month of November, December, and January. And we wanted to have an enrollment before that time period to ensure our, our producers' bailed or are being marketed as protocol bailed. And White says the program is catching on with end users. We're starting to see more demand for protocol bells, not only just U.S. bells, but actual protocol bells in our system. So we are starting to see that take up. We knew that was going to take a little bit of time, but as soon as that, that demand starts picking up by the brands and then the mills, and it's you know, our job and, and the marketers to get in front of the growers and tell them about what's going on in the marketplace. But we are seeing that start to pick up here. If you'd like more information on the Cotton Trust Protocol, Check out TrustUSCotton.org. Cattle are known for being able to turn waste products into beef. A Louisiana sugarcane farmer and cattleman has now developed a way to turn sugarcane waste, which is called bagasse, into cattle feed. Warren Harang grows both sugarcane and cattle in South Louisiana. I think it's super 
from an agricultural standpoint to utilize the byproduct of sugarcane for livestock. I grew up in the sugar industry, in the livestock business, and I understand the parallels, how important one product can be for the next. And we have a tremendous excess of raw crude bagasse. And at least one Texas cattleman loves the product. Robert Schmidt runs Deer Run Ranch here in Texas. Well, at first, I always heard over the years that cows wouldn't eat bagasse, and it, and they said they just won't eat it. It's it's like dirt; <laughs> they won't eat it. But after I got it, and with his process, they will eat it. No doubt that they will eat it. Schmidt says it's a winning situation for everyone, as sugarcane farmers can get rid of waste while livestock producers have another source of feed. We have a way to get rid of it, and it's a natural way to feed our cows and and horses and and goats. It's just a great natural cycle that when they're processing sugarcane, the bagasse, we have a way to get rid of it. Our cows eat it, and it's very healthy to them. It's a win-win-win situation. Harang calls the bagasse feed Supreme Gold Plus. Fed cattle prices are high right now. James Hunt says that means things are going well for Texas High Plains feed yards. Tighter cattle supplies are helping Texas High Plains feed yard operators at the negotiating table. And with prices staying at or above the $1.70 per pound level, the opportunity for profitability is pretty solid right now. Brady Miller is with Texas Cattle Feeders Association. The feeding and the cow-calf industry has gotten some of that leverage back from the packer that we've talked about in the past. And coming out of the feed yards, last week we traded cattle at 170 to 172, kind of where we've been. We've been as high as 174 and 5. We're still making some profit coming out of the feed yard. In fact, Miller says on an average cash basis, cattle feeders in our area have been seeing profits of around $150 per head on their recent sales. And Miller says, despite pressure from the high cost of feeder cattle and other inputs, the outlook is that cattle feeders have opportunities to keep making money on new cattle coming in. For cattle going into the yard today on the same cash basis, on an average weight going in, probably a 750-pound animal being fed for average today is probably 180, 190 days, somewhere in there. Those cattle are probably still breaking even to maybe making somewhere around $50 is what that animal might show. And as we look at how things are going for livestock producers economically, here's a reminder that this Thursday, USDA is holding a listening session to get producer feedback on the Cattle Contracts Library pilot program. That event will begin at 4 p.m. at the USDA Cattle and Carcass Training Center on the campus of West Texas A&M University. Once again, the listening session on the Cattle Contracts Library pilot program is Thursday at 4 p.m. Contact USDA for more information. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The head of agricultural research for Texas A&M AgriLife would like to see several subjects addressed in the 2023 Farm Bill. Tom Nicoletti has the story. My guest again today is the director of Texas A&M AgriLife Research, Dr. Cliff Lamb, who continues explaining some important emerging issues that need to be addressed by the 2023 Farm Bill. 
important. One is in terms of our food security and biodefense of our food systems. Texas imports more agricultural products than any other state in the country because of the border that we have with Mexico and, and then the ports. But it also creates a lot of additional issues, whether that's disease transmission, whether that's products that are of, of lower quality. And we feel like there's a, a significant need to start investing in biodefense of our food systems. Bioenergy in Texas is another area that we're lagging behind in, and certainly in other parts of the country, they're taking a more proactive approach and certainly support for bioenergy is going to be important. One area that I think uh, needs to be addressed also is in terms of controlled environment agriculture. And this is environments in which we can control lighting, like in greenhouses or controls water, where we can actually potentially do a lot more urban agriculture and so support for those programs are important and then the last thing is something ongoing that they've supported previously but needs to continue is a support for feral swine abatement there's generally not an agriculturalist in texas that is not impacted by that certainly the feral hog problem is uh, immense no matter where you go in the state of texas that's exactly right and it's getting worse and if we don't figure out ways to control it we're going to have some significant problems there's technology now that folks are using with a lot of artificial intelligence, thermal imaging, that we can make a far bigger dent in the problem than we've been able to in the past. Those comments from Dr. Cliff Lamb, the director of Texas A&M AgriLife Research. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Technicians are needed to produce the heavy equipment that powers modern agriculture. Gary Joyner has more. There's a significant labor shortage on America's farms and ranches. Workers are needed to help produce our nation's food, fiber, and fuel. There's also a shortage of technicians to work on the heavy equipment that powers modern agriculture. An AED Foundation industry report says manufacturers need to fill as many as 73,500 heavy equipment technician positions by 2025. The report adds equipment manufacturing possesses a job opening rate three times higher than the national average. Workplace development will be critical to address the problem. Manufacturers can focus on retention by improving workplace culture. They need to fill the talent pipeline by spotlighting demand for skilled workers and the opportunity for worthwhile careers. The report says manufacturers should diversify and optimize recruitment strategies and also collaborate with others. Texas farmers and ranchers depend on heavy equipment to get the job done. Technicians are needed to make sure that equipment is available. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. While they may not be everyone's cup of tea, snakes play an important role in our ecosystem. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And the use of probiotics in horses is being questioned. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. 
We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. The use of probiotics in horses is being questioned. Dr. Bob Judd says it's because of the inaccuracy of the label claims on some products. A probiotic is a live organism that confers a health benefit to an animal. And although probiotics are very popular in animals, few studies have demonstrated a clear benefit in the horse And two studies in neonatal foals found that foals given probiotics were actually more likely to develop diarrhea. The site of intended effect of probiotics in the horse is the cecum and colon. And there is some question as far as the organisms reaching that area live as the human intestinal tract is much different from horses. Also, the label claims on the marketed products have been found to be inaccurate between products, but testing between the different lots of the same product has not been performed. Veterinarians at Washington State published a study in equine veterinary science on 11 random equine probiotic products, and each product was purchased at least three times from the same source at a minimum of three months apart. The products were stored according to manufacturer recommendations. Study results were in line with other studies demonstrating ingredients commonly differ between the label claims of the same products and their actual content. However, this study was to evaluate the differences between the products from the same companies, and all but two of the products had similar contents, even though the similar products did not have the correct label claims. To be effective, live organisms must be present in the products, and none of them had the correct amounts of organisms, and some did not have any of the organisms that were listed on the label. There were some microorganisms present in the products that were not listed on the label, So this is concerning for possible contamination. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Well, I hate to admit it, but snakes do play an important role in our ecosystem. Jessica Domel tells how in today's Wildlife Report. The Lone Star State is home to 70 to 80 species of snakes. And while snakes may not be everyone's favorite form of wildlife, they do play an important role in our ecosystem. Dr. Maureen Frank, Associate Professor of Conservation Biology at Sol Ross State University, joins us with more. Snakes are very valuable. Their favorite thing to eat for most species is small rodents. And I sure don't want my house or property to be overrun with mice and rats. And I would much rather have snakes helping me do a great job of managing that and a natural job of managing that. They're very valuable for helping regulate populations of small rodents. They also, of course, can be food for other animals in the ecosystem. Like I mentioned, hawks are one thing that will eat snakes. And then we've also got some species of snakes. These are my favorite, maybe to talk about, that love eating some of our garden pests. So garter snakes often called garden snakes, but they're not. It's garter, G-A-R-T-E-R, are one of our most common Texas snakes. The checkered garter snake is one very common one. 
and they love to eat insects and other invertebrates, especially slugs. For a gardener, anything that eats slugs is, I'm a big fan of that, or other caterpillars, and, and so they can help regulate some of your garden pests. They all have a role in the ecosystem, and even the venomous ones might not be our favorite thing to have around and certainly understand not wanting them close to the house, right, and close to where you've got, especially if you've got kids around. But out on the back 40, they're just doing their jobs out there. Of the 70 to 80 species of snakes in Texas, about a dozen or so are venomous. Today's comments were from Dr. Maureen Frank from Sol Ross State University. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Live cattle closed lower on Tuesday, feeder cattle mostly higher, while the corn market hit a one-year low. We'll check out all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The live cattle market closed lower on Tuesday while feeder cattle were mostly higher. We'll start with the live cattle prices. June live cattle dropping 45 cents, 163.87. August down 27, 162.47. The October down 20, 166.92. Feeder cattle finishing higher on all except that nearby May contract. Of course, that's a very lightly traded contract getting ready to go off the board soon. It was down 80 cents, 205.70. But nice gains in the deferred contracts with August feeders up 42 cents, 231.47. With September up 47 cents, 234.32. Cash fed cattle market still quiet for the week on Tuesday. No bids or asking prices to report. Boxed beef prices were lower. Choice down $1.81, Select down $0.04 at $2.84.67. Now let's check those auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Rodney Butler sold cattle in Beeville Friday. Rodney, how'd it go? Uh, We were really, really short, but we had some good rains in the the area, which is going to help in the long run. But we only had right at 100 head of cattle Friday, but they dang sure sold good, sir. Good. Walk the pins with us. All right. Your 200, 300 pound steer is $1.73 to 220. Heifers at $1.84 to 205. 300, 400 pound steer is 220 to 250. Heifers at $1.52 to 225. Your 400, 500 pound steers a dollar eighty four to forty five. Heifers a dollar sixty seven to two thirteen. Your 500, 600 pound steers a dollar seventy two to two thirty four. Heifers a dollar seventy eight to two o five. Your 600, 700 pound steers a dollar seventy three to two dollars. And your heifers were a dollar seventy one to dollar eighty two. 
and your 700 to 800 pounds steers were $1.65 to $1.90, and the heifers were $1.32 to $1.60. Packer cows were pretty steady. We brought They brought anywhere from 60 to, we had cow bring a dollar one. Packer bulls brought from 69 to $1.21. Stocker cows brought from 78 to $1.20. And a few, we didn't have any bread or pears this Friday. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you for this next Friday sale. Yes, sir. We had some good rains this last this couple of days, and it's going to be slow for a while, but the market sure is strong. You can call me at 361-358-1727, or you can call me on mobile, 645-5002. We appreciate it, Rodney. Thank you. Thank you, and take care. Bye-bye. Neighbor, thank you, and be sure to take care until you come back tomorrow for another edition of Walking the Pens here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Me, I'm Larry Marble. I put it all together, and you're listening to us on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now. Arlene Hogs finished higher in Tuesday's trade. June Hogs up $1.587.20. July Hogs up $0.62 cents at eighty-eight twelve. Class 3 milk was lower. Nearby May milk down $0.03, cents, 16 19 100 weight. With June milk down 8 16 33 100 The cotton market finished strongly higher in Tuesday's trade, defying what usually happens. The outside markets tend to have a big effect on the cotton trade nowadays. Things like the stock market, the energy markets, and the metals. Those markets all lower in Tuesday's trade, but the cotton market decided to close higher. We closed with July cotton up 101 points, 83.38. October cotton up 98 points at 83.51, while December cotton was up 72 at 82.50 cents a pound. Corn market lower in Tuesday's trade. In fact, we hit one-year lows on the new crop contracts. July corn dropping 11 and a quarter, 581 and a quarter. September corn down 11 and a half at 506 and a half. With December corn down nine and three quarters, 505 and a quarter. Wheat market was mixed. Traders waiting to see the results of the Kansas Wheat Quality Tour, which kicked off on Tuesday. Those results will be coming in as we move through the week. July Kansas City wheat down three cents, closing at eight ninety-five and a quarter. Soft wheat market saw some double-digit losses, however. July Chicago wheat down thirteen and a quarter, six forty-seven and a half. In the energy markets, June natural gas was down a penny, 236. June West Texas crude down 47 at 7064 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Tuesday afternoon. The Dow down 255 points at 33,093. The NASDAQ up 15, 12,380. The SP down 14 points, 4,121. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.